Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the ill person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. And uh, we do, we give thanks to him. We thank him that uh, wise and trusted men like James and many other authors put pen to paper or whatever it was in those days. And they crafted out uh, the inspiration that the Father had given them. And it's there and trusted for the readers then and for the readers today. And we have so enjoyed looking at the book of James. It's such an incredibly practical book, which is one of the reasons which we chose it. Because there's so much that we can take actually from it. Let us remind ourselves of the, the, uh, the key verse really of the whole book. And that's in chapter 1. That we're not merely to listen to the word and so deceive ourselves. Do what it says on the tin. Do what it says. What have you been taking away from each week? What is it that you've been putting into practice over the last number of weeks? I wonder. Where chapter 5 end, and uh, James begins with kind of three questions. Three really simple questions, and he gives three simple answers. Is anyone in trouble? Question. Is anyone happy? Question. Is anyone among you ill? Question. And each question comes with a brief but very concise kind of answer. Is anyone here this morning in trouble? Let them pray. One thing for sure, in our life, we will have trouble. Jesus promises his disciples and therefore to us. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Trouble is just part and parcel of life and it comes and usually it goes. And sometimes it comes and it lingers on and we stay with it, but we usually pass through it. And James is simply saying when we're in trouble, let that person pray. We've heard it, haven't we? We've, we've probably said it ourselves. There's been lots of conversations. I'm sure you'll have heard this. When someone's unpacking some trouble in their life, usually when someone's really sick, and their concluding remarks are, all we could do 
was pray. You heard that one? And I'm sure many of us have probably said it. And very often the reality is this, that our last port of call is to pray when actually it should be the first thing that we should do. It's the first thing that we should come before the Lord and just hand it over and give it to him. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. It's really an exhortation to give thanks and praise when life is good. And I'll be honest with you, when life is good, it's easy to stand and sing those songs of worship, isn't it? We stand in the presence of Jesus, we give thanks, we give praise. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So many wonderful songs that we're led week in, week out here in church on Sundays. There's times, if you're like me, you'll enjoy listening to worship music throughout the week. The songs that come, they just convey our hearts, an overflow of the heart. When we're happy that we give praise, that we honor the Lord and we give him thanks and we acknowledge him in that way. Likewise, it's important that we give thanks and praise in every season of the soul. Because actually, a sacrifice of praise is often when we come before the Lord, when we don't feel like it. And I know there are times when we gather together, when we'll arrive and we're like, do you know what? I'm just not in the mood for a bit of worship this morning. And we can feel like that sometimes, can't we? It's early in the morning, not feeling so well, maybe a bit tired or whatever it might be. And it's a sacrifice. But that's the kind of thing that the Lord is after. Regardless of how we feel, regardless of our emotions, that we would come before the Lord and give him thanks. As you explore the book of Psalms, or Psalms as you call them, um, you'll notice that there are a lot of the Psalms um, that are, that are thanks, thank, thanksgiving. Incredibly thankful and praiseworthy and wonderful and incredible. And yet there are many, many songs which are songs of lament. They're written from a place, from an earthy place and a, and a painful place of like, God, where are you in this situation? I'm at fear from my enemies. I'm at the mercy of wild animals as David would have written about. And yet my trust is in you. And yet my hope is in you. And I think it's important that we have the balance, actually, that we can be honest in our worship, that when life is great, that we can praise and give thanks. And when life is in trouble, we can still come before him and give him of ourselves. And it's of our giving of ourselves that often is when God does his deepest, most wonderful uh, stuff on the inside. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray and anoint with oil. Again, question followed by answer of what to do. It's pretty simple. I want to address this just on two levels though. First of all, 
There are times and occasions when a person is sick and it's right to call forth the elders of the church. And there are times when uh, myself, Chantel, and other leaders from the church, they'll pray uh, specifically for someone who's not well. And that could involve a visit to the hospital, could involve visits to their home, and, um, and it's right that there's, uh, that there's an element of that. But secondly, it's important, you'll know this if you've been around us any, any period of time, that it isn't just left to the professionals because we all get to play. We all get to do the Jesus stuff. That means when someone's not well, if you know Jesus, and I'll dare say it, even if you don't know Jesus, you can still pray for the sick. You can still do that. And one of the things that we love and what we always long for as a church community is that every one of us feels empowered to pray for the sick, to lay hands and invite the presence of Jesus, the person of the Holy Spirit to come and do what he can do. And so it doesn't remain or rest on the shoulders of the leaders of a church solely, although I've acknowledged that there are times and situations and places that that is appropriate. But all of us get the opportunity to do that. And the second point I want to make on this um, relates to this verse that James writes. The prayer offered in faith will make the ill person well. The Lord will raise them up. We believe wholeheartedly uh, that Jesus is still in the business of healing the sick. Absolutely. As a church, our theology is centered very much around that. It's something that we go after. It's something that we um, stick our necks on the line sometimes and risk, risk it by asking that person, can I pray for you? And we have seen God just do some incredible things. We've seen and experienced and we have a deeply accurate um, testimony that God has, has done works of healing in my life and in many of our lives as we have laid hands on the sick. But we've also prayed our best prayers with the most amount of faith and that's the bit we need to address here. And people have stayed sick and people have gotten worse and people have died. And so as we read, and the prayer offered in faith will make the ill person well. It's important that we understand our theology is a kingdom theology because within other, um, there's other theology that you may well have come across at some point which basically says you didn't have enough faith. The person got sick and stayed sick. The person died because you didn't have enough faith or the person who was ill didn't have enough faith. And quite simply, we just don't believe in that and we don't agree with that way or that line of theology. We live ourselves and lead from a position of kingdom theology, which simply means we live in the now and the not yet. The now simply means this, 
that this side of heaven, Jesus is doing some incredible things amongst us. And sometimes when we pray, God does the miracle. But the not yet simply means this, that there's still a rule and reign that the enemy has still here on our fallen, broken, hurting world. And that means sometimes when we pray, we don't get what we ask for. And that's just the best way that I can explain it right here, right now. But I will say this, that the second one here should not prevent us and stop us from reaching for the impossible, for reaching for the miracle, for laying our hands on the sick and inviting the presence of God to do what he can do. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. One of the practices that we didn't cover during our Becoming series was the practice, the spiritual discipline, the spiritual practice of confession. Now, our Catholic friends um, would, would place a very high value, actually, on confession. And I remember as a child um, being dragged to all these historical sites because that's what my folks like to do on holiday. We just wanted to go to the beach and they wanted to visit the Normandy landing beaches. Uh, the Norm Whenever we went to Normandy, I want to go to the beach. And they just, my, well, my dad wanted to go and visit graveyards. But that was that. That's just kind of how things worked. They wanted to go and see the sites. I wanted to go and have fun. But never mind, that's, that's the past. And... Um, Anyway, uh, why am I even talking about this? More paracetamol, more paracetamol. No, maybe more prayer, more prayer. <laughs> just testing you, just testing. Uh, where are we? Yeah, so I, so I remember being dragged around cathedrals, around all these incredible cities. And, you know, as a kid, you just don't appreciate that kind of stuff, do you? It's like, it's an old building. Great, it's freezing cold. You have to pay a tip on your way out. And... Uh, but I was bemused by the wooden boxes where you went for confession. I was like, boy, that's, 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 as a kid, you're like, I do not ever want to have to go in that box and sit in there and tell some random dude my stuff through, through like a bit of a gap in the wall there. And I, that just bemused me as a child. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, what child do you know likes telling their parents what they've done wrong when they've been bad. I mean, it, it just doesn't come naturally, right? And to a certain degree, it doesn't come naturally to us as grown-ups either. We don't like to say it as it is. We don't like to take someone aside and t say, this is what I'm struggling with, actually. And what ends up happening, if we don't do that, is the thing that's done in secret sometimes just gets worse and worse and we bury it and we pretend it doesn't exist and actually there's a danger with that because it can get worse Bill Hybels is a very well known and very well respected leader of an incredible church and church network goodness we covered and looked at one of his books in our Proverbs series not too long ago. And sadly, Bill Hybels um, 
it's come to light. Some of you will know this, some of you not know this at all, but some of his behavior that had happened over many years was, was really, really inappropriate. And that's just as far as we need to kind of go here. Very well-respected leader, doing a great job, incredibly influential, and yet behind closed doors was uh, acting inappropriately. How does that happen? How does it get there? Well, it often gets there because he didn't do the brave thing and just say it as it is to someone who he entrusted, someone who had respected. And do you know what? I have found to be, the reality is this, with the right people sharing my stuff with the right person or people actually is the most liberating experience. We actually think, oh no, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to make of me? They're going to think this, da di da da Actually, when we bring stuff to the light, it reduces the power and the hold that it has over us. And I have just found that to be true on so many levels and so liberating. I was uh, chatting with a friend of mine yesterday who's uh, not Christian, doesn't, doesn't go to church or anything. and They're asking me questions about church. and It's great. I just love those opportunities. I just say, do you know what? We take relationship with God really seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. And I just get to unpack a number of things, and I say, I talk about come as you are, and I say that the sad, the sad thing is that people on the outside of the four walls think that to be inside the four walls, you've got to have it all together. You've got to have, be without sin. You can't do this. You don't do that. And you're just good living. And you're allowed to be inside the four walls. And I said, the reality is this, that inside the four walls, we're just as broken and messed up and hurting as people outside. And we must create a culture amongst ourselves where it's okay not to be okay. And that's why we say, leave the facade at the door when you walk in and be who you are and uh, feel free with the right people to confess our sins to one another.